Again, good evening and uh, welcome to midweek service. I am very excited tonight that um, our brothers and sisters from the Staten Island region are joining us for midweek service tonight. And so Brooklyn, please, uh, I know you're in your homes. Let's give them a warm Brooklyn welcome to our brothers and sisters from the Staten Island ministry. Welcome to midweek service. We're so happy that you're with us tonight. I can't see anything. I'm just looking at my, my slides and my notes. But uh, guys, welcome. We are so thankful that uh, you guys are going to be joining us. The last several weeks, uh, or I should say months in Brooklyn, we've been talking about the call to follow Jesus. And uh, tonight, uh, I'm going to continue in that series as we talk about the call to always give thanks. You know, Thanksgiving is you know, about a week away. And uh, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I want to talk to us about what the Bible says about the call to always give thanks. Thanksgiving, like you've heard me say so many times, is my favorite American holiday. I had no idea that uh, Thanksgiving was a holiday when I first came to this country many, many years ago. But uh, I love Thanksgiving because of several things. What I call five, the five F's. Thanksgiving includes faith, Food, fun, family, and of course, football. And uh, some of us are soccer fans. Uh, the World Cup is going to be starting, as a matter of fact, this Sunday. And so during Thanksgiving this year, we're really going to be having football and watching football. Uh, it's it's going to be tremendous. I, again, I want to encourage us to use uh, the next month that uh, even as we're watching the games to invite other men to come watch with us, let's really use it as an evangelistic tool to reach out to men that are also going to be watching. So don't watch alone at home. Let's invite somebody over or you invite yourself over to somebody else's house and watch the game together. So tonight, let's talk about the call to always give thanks. The concept of thanksgiving is all about the Bible. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, it talks about how you and I, we need to be overflowing with thanksgiving. In Colossians 3, verse 15, Paul writes, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And then later on, it calls you and I to be thankful. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, the Bible commands us to devote ourselves to prayer and to be watchful and thankful. And also in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, it says, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. Brothers and sisters, the concept of thanksgiving started obviously in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were several offerings that they had to offer. In the Old Testament, God is depicted as a holy God by contrast to us sinners. And in the Old Testament, God created the sacrificial system as a means of restoring a broken relationship caused by sin. The entire Old Testament sacrificial system obviously looked forward to the sacrifice of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. There was the bond offering, like the name suggests. 
they would take a ram or bull and they would burn it up as atonement when they sinned. There was another offering called the grain offering. Again, a lot of these things are very self-explanatory. Where they would bring grain, whether it was wheat or barley, and they would burn some of it, and then the rest of it went to the priests. They also had a peace offering, also called the fellowship offering. They also had a sin offering. They had a guilt offering. You say, Richard, where's all this stuff? You need to go study out Leviticus chapters 1 to 7. It's all there. But God gave the Israelites the sacrificial covenant to restore that relationship. And they would go to the temple and offer one of these offerings. And obviously, they would also give thanks to God because it was through these offerings that God bestowed forgiveness on them. Again, the entire divine design will show that the most important offering was going to be given by God himself to cleanse us from our sins. And I'll give you some biblical references. You can write these down. Isaiah 52, verse 13. Isaiah 52, verse 13 to Isaiah 53, verse 12. Isaiah 52, verse 13 to Isaiah 53, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. And Romans 3, 25. Romans 3, 25. The Old Testament offerings, those sacrifices in themselves, were ineffective in bringing a final resolution to the problem of human sin. And that's why later on, God had to send his son in the form of sinful men and he atoned for all of our sins on the cross. So the entire Old Testament tells the story of the many different offerings performed by God's people to find forgiveness for sins and to show thanks to our holy God. And interwoven, brothers and sisters, in all these sacrifices is the idea of being thankful and grateful for God forgiving all of our sins continually. Because it was a continual sacrifice throughout the entire Old Testament. And then when Jesus came, he was the perfect sacrifice. He offered himself once and for all. And that's why when you and I sin, we're now under grace. And we simply ask for forgiveness through Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate sacrifice for us on the cross. And that's what grace and the cross is all about. But this whole thing was set up as a means for us to be grateful for the forgiveness that we experience as a result of Jesus shedding his blood for us. So as a result of that, brothers and sisters, first and foremost, we ought to be grateful and very thankful that Jesus died for our sins. Everything that God does flows from this. Everything he was doing in the Old Testament, in the lives of the Israelites, flows from the sacrificial system. If Jesus had not died for us, we would still be guilty of sin. It kind of goes back to something that Rick was talking about on Sunday when he talked about the parable of the unmerciful servant. Because God has forgiven us, obviously the Bible commands us to forgive others when they sin against us. 
Because if we don't, like he was trying to help us see on Sunday, God is not going to forgive you and I either. And this is where our thanks should start. This is where our thanks to God should begin. Our thanksgiving to God must begin here. Because of the fact that Jesus died for me, I am saved. You are saved. We are all saved. If we've repented of our sins and been baptized for the forgiveness of those things. Our sins have been washed away. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so has it wiped all of our transgressions from us. But our brothers and sisters, our thanksgiving needs to come from this. That you know what? One day, we are not going to be treated like our sins truly deserve. That you and I can never do enough good to deserve to go to heaven. That we can never do enough good to deserve to come into the presence of a holy God. But because Jesus died for us, we can come before God. And it should cause us to be very thankful. It should cause us to be very grateful. And that's why Jesus commands us in the New Testament to partake of the Lord's Supper, to remind us every week, every Sunday, that he died for us. And that's what this is all about. And I hope and pray that even as we look at this passage that we are going to camp out tonight, that we will begin to understand and always reflect on this every day. That because Jesus died for me, because Jesus died for you, you and I can be grateful. We ought to be grateful. Because everything we, are, we experience in life and every good we see is, a, is as a result of Jesus dying on the cross for us. And so go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. And we're going to be reading from verses 11 to 19. And let's talk about the unnamed Samaritan leper. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria, Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Tonight, I want to make three quick points from this passage. Number one, God sees you and hears you. God sees you and hears you. It tells us in this passage that as he was going into a village, 
says 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. Brothers and sisters, leprosy was an infectious disease that attacked the entire nervous system so badly that your body parts would literally fall off. Today, we have some ailments in our time that attacks our nervous system and our muscles, like multiple sclerosis, like Lou Gehrig's disease. But with leprosy, your fingers would literally fall off and it would affect your skin. Your toes would fall off and it would spread to other parts of your body. And leprosy still exists. Maybe not in America today, but in certain parts of the, of, of the world, there's still men and women battling this ailment and this disease. It says here that when these 10 lepers saw Jesus, they stood at a distance and cried out to Jesus for help. They said, have pity on us. Obviously, they, they came to Jesus for healing. They must have heard somehow through the grapevine that Jesus was healing different people of their various ailments and diseases and even raising the dead. And so they came wanting help. Now notice, these lepers are in Samaria. That's what the story tells us. Jesus heard them and told them to go show themselves to the priest. Now, if you look at the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 13 through 15 talks about what to do when they experienced any kind of infectious skin disease in the Old Testament. And it says very specifically, again, because of time, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it tells us in the Old Testament that back then, if they had any kind of infectious disease, they had to go show themselves to the priest. And so I'm going to read a section of it, for instance, from verse 9. This is Leviticus chapter 13, verse 9. It says, when anyone has an infectious skin disease, he must be brought to the priest. The priest is to examine him. And if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, and if there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic skin disease. And the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He's not to put him in isolation because he is already unclean. If the disease breaks out all over his skin, and so far as the priest can see, it covers all the skin of the infected person from head to foot. The priest is to examine him. And if the disease has covered his whole body, he shall pronounce that person clean. Since he has all turned white, he's clean. But whenever raw flesh appears on him, he will be unclean. And the story goes on. Basically, they had to go to the priest. They had to go show themselves to the priest. And the priest will now examine them to determine how bad their leprosy was. Now, if it was very bad, they had to leave their families. They had to go into the leper colony. Chances are they lost their jobs. They couldn't make a living. 
They couldn't live at home with their family members anymore. And so I want you to imagine what these 10 men must have been feeling. And again, we're not told how long they've had leprosy. Because back then, again, if you had leprosy and you are coming in contact with people, you have to shout and say, unclean, unclean, so that people would literally cross, not come in contact with you. Because again, leprosy was very, very infectious. And so that's exactly what these men did when they saw Jesus as a distance. You see, their, their lives are about to change. Jesus obviously saw them. His heart went out to them and he heard them. And he tells them, go show yourselves to the priest. Brothers and sisters, you and I, we have a disease called sin. And Jesus sees us. He hears us. And he came into this world to die on our behalf. Because no amount of good will cause God to let you or me into heaven. Before we said a prayer, before we read the Bible, before we did anything good, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus sees, Jesus saw us, and he saw our state. And he heard our cries for mercy. And he saved us. And our lives change radically. These men's lives are about to change. Because again, I want you to realize the kind of life they must have been living. They were basically outcasts. They couldn't live with their families. Because again, if you're living in a leper colony, you're basically on your own. Now, depending on how wealthy your family is, they may bring you food from time to time. I don't know if you remember watching the movie Ben-Hur. I love the way the whole thing was depicted where, you know, Ben-Hur's mother and sister had leprosy and they were in that colony and their, their family members will, will, will bring food and lower it down to them. I think it's a pretty good depiction of the way things must have been back then because these guys were isolated. But the truth is, you and I, when we lived in sin, we were also isolated. And they had to beg for food to stay alive. But God sees you, God hears you. Yesterday we had staff meeting, and um, I was going over to New Jersey for our staff meeting, because that's where the church office is. And um, my wife couldn't go with me because she wasn't feeling very well. Because normally when we drive, we help each other navigate. If I'm driving or she's driving, you know, we're, we're watching the GPS and we're saying, take this turn or, you know, this money, whatever. But I was alone yesterday. And uh, I got onto um, Belt Parkway heading towards the Varazano Bridge and I started to pray because I was like, you know what? My wife is not next to me to help me navigate, you know, my way to, to New Jersey. And uh, I don't do hikes, and I've, I've told you, you guys know that. And so I'm praying the whole time. Uh, and so I, I always get on the lower level because I can't see the water. If, if I start seeing the water, my, my legs are going to start acting funny. 
And so I always take the lower level because, you know, there's a barrier high enough in there. I, I cannot see down into the water. And so the whole time I'm praying, I always stay in the middle of it. So I'm praying the whole time. And then obviously cross over into Staten Island. I'm, I'm making my way to New Jersey. And then, you know, I encounter the toll gate. To go a long story short, I'm praying the whole time because the GPS doesn't always tell you where to go. And I say that because coming back was the same way. I was very nervous. And I was like, man, God, please, Father, just get me home. Again, it was getting dark. Uh, it was raining. And I was just praying. And again, I got on the fire. I got on the, I got on the, um, uh, on the, uh, on the lower level. And I got home and I was thanking God the whole time because God heard me and he saw me. Um, and so I'm very thankful that the Lord brought me back home because again, that was my first, my first time going to staff meeting with, without Sarah right next to me, helping me quote unquote navigate all the stuff. And so I'm very thankful that, you know, the Lord heard me and, um, and, and brought me home safely. I had one hand, one, my right hand was on the steering wheel. My, my left thumb was on the home because our people are cutting through traffic. Like, you know what? I can't allow anybody to come hit me, but I was very nervous. I get very nervous climbing those bridges. But I'm very confident by the fact that God sees me, God hears me. The same thing with you. The same thing with us, brothers and sisters. God hears you. God sees you. God knows what you're going through. And like these 10 lepers, all we need to do is cry out to him and ask him for help. He's always there to help us out. He hears us and he sees us and he will come through for us every single time. Point number two, very quickly. Listen and simply obey Jesus. Listen and simply obey Jesus. Jesus simply said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. That's all he said. Now you may ask, where did Jesus get the idea from? From the Old Testament. From Leviticus 13, as a matter of fact. Jesus not only knew the law, you know, like he said during the Sermon on the Mount, he says, I came to fulfill the law. Again, specifically, in Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 and 46. And I'm going to read it to you. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 to 46. It says, The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkept, cover the lower parts of his face, and cry out, Unclean! unclean. As long as he, he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. Now, earlier on in chapter 13 of Leviticus, it does say if you have leprosy, you got to go show yourself to the priest. They were quote-unquote like the doctors in addition to serving as priests before God. And they will examine the person. And if you were declared clean, then that meant you could now go back and rejoin your family. The Bible tells us that they obeyed and started to go find the priest. Obviously, on the way, they got cleansed. And so, I want us to ask ourselves, what if they had not obeyed? What if only three of them started to go, go find the priest, like Jesus has said, or maybe 
just one decided, you know what? Jesus says, let me go show myself to the priest. And so only one of them went. I believe this story would read very differently. But apparently, from the account, it appears that all 10 of them decided to obey God, to obey Jesus, and go find a priest. Brothers and sisters, God's word is very powerful. God knows what he's saying. God knows what he's doing. Remember that Jesus helped speak and create this world. He was right there with God when this world was created. When God says, let there be light, he was right there. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that it is through him he made the universe. But the question is, are we listening? Are we going to obey God? His words have power. His word will change our lives if we will let it. And so we need to ask ourselves every day, how am I going to raise my family? Are we going to do it according to what God says or according to what the world dictates? Are we going to, am I going to live my life based on what the book says or am I just going to do my own thing? It's a question of listening and simply obeying Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the Bible works. The same thing goes for our attitude at our workplace. Is my attitude on the job, am I going to conduct myself the way God says to conduct it? Whatever job I have, am I going to look at it as, you know what, I'm working for God and not for men? The same thing goes for our marriages, for those of us that are married. That my relationship with my spouse, the way I, I talk to my wife, the way I talk to my husband, is going to be based on this. If we are single, that my life as a single person is going to be dictated by what Jesus says. The same thing goes for the way we manage our money and the finances that we have, that God has blessed us with. In other words, we're saying when we became disciples, that you know what? My standard is still going to be the Bible. When we made our good confession for a lot of us many, many years ago. And so the question is, is that, is, is, is that still the case? Where every day, my thinking, the way I approach problems, the way I approach issues, is the way God tells me to do it. The Bible is our standard, brothers and sisters. We need to continue to listen and to obey God. If we don't listen to Jesus, then it means we're not, gonna we're not following the Bible. And our lives will not be very fulfilling. We will just suffer needlessly because it's an individual choice. Being a happy person, being a content person, being a joyous person, there's no secret. It's living out the scriptures because the Bible really works. Christianity is not complicated. It never was. It really isn't. And one of the things I love about the scriptures is very plain. It's not difficult to understand. There's not big words in here. It's just simple, in our case, English. Yes, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament was written in Greek, 
And uh, but for us, you know, the Hebrew and the Greek was translated into English, but it's very simple English, so to speak. But the question is, are we going to listen and are we going to obey Jesus? That's always the issue. When I find myself wrestling with, with whatever situation I find myself in, the question I, I ask myself is, okay, what does God say here? How do I conduct myself in this situation? And I don't always get it right. And I, I, I realize that my battle is not with anyone per se or any situation. My battle is always, you know what? Am I going to humble myself and do what the Bible teaches? And when I listen and simply obey Jesus, it always works out. Always. Because the Bible never fails. And so I want to encourage us, brothers and sisters, to continue to obey God. Because it's in that obedience, it's in listening to the voice of Jesus, that's where the cleansing comes from. That's where the healing comes from. And finally, number three, always remember to thank God. Always remember to thank God. The story tells us that one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Then the Bible had the caveat, and he was a Samaritan. Brothers and sisters, that little phrase, and he was a Samaritan, the implication is the other nine were Jews. Why else? Why, why else would Jesus single him out? Remember that from the story, there were 10 lepers. I believe nine of the 10 were, were Jews. And he says, is it this foreigner, the only foreigner who came back to give thanks? The foreigner came back to thank Jesus. And so we need to ask the question, what happened to the other nine? After they realized that they were healed. Why did they come back and give thanks? Perhaps they were excited to go rejoin their families. But the Bible never tells us. Because them being healed meant they were going to be accepted back into the society. Perhaps they went over and showed themselves to the priest. That's also a possibility. But in the story, they never came back to thank God for their healing. Notice, this Samaritan man did the right thing, regardless of what the other nine did or didn't do. He just came back and said, thank you. That's what needs to happen with every good you and I experience in life. That we remember to tell God, thank you. God has healed us of so many things. God has answered uncountable prayers of ours over the years. I mean, they're literally uncountable. The question is, are we grateful people? Are we grateful daily for all the blessings God has bestowed and continues to bestow upon us? Are we grateful for all the blessings that he continues to lavish on us? That's actually the word the Bible uses. God is not stingy. 
in his blessings. He lavishes us with blessings. But the question is, are we grateful? And I asked this question a few weeks ago. What if God gave you today only the things you thank him for yesterday? I don't know about you. I find that very convicting. Where I ask God for things every day and I thank God every day. But I know I can, I, I, I need to take my gratitude a lot higher. Because from the moment I wake up, I need to be thanking God that I'm still alive. I can breathe. I can see. I can hear. My limbs work. I can't take any of these things for granted. I need to grow in my thankfulness. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, we all know the passage. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. God expects us, brothers and sisters, to be grateful people because he's done so much and he continues to do so much for us. You woke up this morning, you went to work, you dropped your kids off at school and you picked them up from school. Now you're back home, you've had dinner. Now your, your, your brothers and sisters are at church. You know, all that was by the grace of God. And that's why our, our, our Thanksgiving needs to be continuous all day long. It should never stop. We should give thanks in all circumstances. Now, very quickly, I want to talk about some things that hinder gratitude. One thing that hinders gratitude, number one, is having a sense of entitlement. In other words, as if God owes us something, or as if life owes us something, or other people owe us stuff. If you're not kind of a person, you're not going to be a very grateful person. Number two, when we're focusing on just our problems and what we're going through, chances are you're not going to be a very grateful person. And instead of focusing on the problems, we need to be focused on the problems of We need to be focused on God. Number three, another thing that hinders gratitude is forgetting what God has already done. God has, we, we are blessed so much every single day. I mean, right now, you guys are listening to me on your phone or via your computer. You're sitting in the comforts of your home and it's very cold outside. And uh, you're not outside shivering, you know, wondering where you're going to sleep tonight. Um, uh, you're, you're not wondering where your next meal is going to come from. We have so much to be thankful for on a daily basis. And so let's not forget everything that God continues to do for us. Number four, impatience and not waiting on God. Well, you know, we want it now. We want it right now. We want everything to do. We want God to do everything right now. He's not that kind of a God. He doesn't work like that. He dances to the beat of his own drum. And no impatience on my part, on your part, is going to cause him to move any faster. Because he's God. Number five. We got to be careful that we don't compare and start envying other people. That, are, that also can be a hinder to gratitude. And then also, finally, again, this is not an exhaustive list. I just put them down very quickly. Unrealistic expectations of others. None of us is perfect. Every last one of us on, 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 on this call, we're all sinners before God. We've all fallen before God. 
My wife is not perfect. I'm not perfect. None of us is. And so we need to realize that we are all sinners. Jesus was the only perfect person. And so we need to be careful that we don't have unrealistic expectations of other people. Because that's going to hinder your gratitude before God. If anything, be thankful for everybody around you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. I'm grateful. I don't know what to say. Because you're overflowing with gratitude. I'm truly touched. There's so many ways of, 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 uh, of, 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 of showing gratitude, not only to God, but also more, more so to each other. Thank you is a great word. It's a great place to start. And so even as we conclude tonight, and as I wrap this up, I want to say thank you to you guys, my brothers and sisters. We moved here in the middle of a pandemic. The only person we knew in Brooklyn, when I say knew in terms of a dear friend, a close, a, a close confidant, was this your boy. And you guys have welcomed us in. And I can honestly say that you guys are a joy to work with and to lead. I mean that sincerely. I want to thank you for your love and your kindness that you've showed us since we moved here and continue to show us. I want to thank the Brooklyn Leadership Team. These are true servants in every sense of the word. Serving in so many different areas. I want to thank you that we're partners in the gospel as we attempt to evangelize this borough for Jesus Christ. On Sundays, when we get together and have church, there's several brothers and sisters. They get there early. They're part of the worship team, the tech team, helping with ushering. They get there early. I want to say thank you. I want to say, I want, I want to say a big thank you to my brother, Jimmy Blaine. I still remember the phone call. When he said, bro, let me help you with this Zoom midweek. And he really, literally took that responsibility out, out of my hands because it was very challenging preaching and trying to do all this stuff at the same time. I'm saying thank you to Jimmy because today is his last midweek with us because next week we're not going to have midweek because of um, Thanksgiving. Jim was, Jimmy is moving to Atlanta. You know, his girlfriend is down there. and. Uh, you know, things are looking great. Brother, we're going to miss you. I'm going to miss you. But I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to all the Bible talk leaders. These brothers and sisters are out all over Brooklyn, serving us, taking care of us. It's a lot of work. It takes a lot to make this church go. Our brothers and sisters from Staten Island, I want to thank you. A few months ago, 
we had staff meeting and um, they still don't have a, a regional leader. And so my wife and I, we raised our hands and said, you know what? We want to help anywhere we can. They're just across the bridge. And so we spoke to our Brooklyn leadership team and all of them unanimously said, absolutely, go help. And so last Sunday after church, I zoomed out immediately. Um, Rick finished preaching and he did a fantastic job, by the way. And we're going to get part two this Sunday when Mike Facey talks about the call to love one another part two. We went to, to join their, their, their service in Staten Island. They meet in the afternoons at this Jewish temple in Staten Island. It was awesome. Frank and Leslie were up front singing. Man, the singing was awesome. It was awesome meeting a lot of people after church. The Salazars took us out to dinner afterwards. And Ron was up there, you know, doing their tech and everything. I, I want to thank you. You know, they, 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 call, they also have a call group serving that ministry. I want to thank you for everything you're doing for your brothers and sisters in Staten Island. Brothers and sisters, this is the family of God. That's all we are. God brought us into his church for such a time as this. And the truth is we're a very, very grateful church. Daisy called, Daisy called me a few weeks ago and said, you know what? Uh, what day are you going to be free? You know, um, some brothers and sisters in the church want to treat you and, you know, just, you know, it's going to be several hours. You know, just tell us when you're free. And truth be told, I forgot. And so she asked me again. I was like, oops, I'm sorry. And uh, on Sunday, a sister sat us down and said, you know what? Uh, we want to treat you guys. And um, a brother is going to pick you up. And then we're going to go see a show on Broadway. And then after that, uh, they got us uh, uh, a dinner reservation at a very fancy, nice New York City restaurant. I'd never heard of it, you know, uh, but it's very nice. And she just went on and on. And after that, I said, Another, a brother will pick you guys up. And then they're going to bring you to Cheesecake Factory. Uh, sorry, not Cheesecake Factory. Junior's Cheesecake. And then you're going to pick out a cheesecake of your choice. I mean, I was blown away, both Sarah and myself. And I choked up, my wife choked up, and we, we just started to shed tears. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm, we're very thankful. I, I'm, I'm just blown away. I'm, I'm truly grateful for our hearts and, and um, because we, 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 we know you, you guys love us. And I'm very, very grateful. And so what I want us to do tonight is this. In our breakout rooms, I want us to share two things that we are most thankful for in 2022. I want us to go around the room very quickly, just share what you're grateful for so that to give other people a chance to share. And then when everybody has gone through, then you can share your second thing. But I just want us to, to spend time tonight just thanking, sharing what we're truly thankful for in 2022. I think it's going to be very encouraging. And so I encourage us to hang around. I know some of us, think, some of us have to, a few of us have to get up very early in the morning. I know who you are, and so that's fine. But I'd love for you to really stick around and just share two things that you are truly thankful for this year 
2022. I'm very thankful for my wife, Sarah, because I know that if she hadn't lost me back to health, I would have passed away in 2017. And so I'm going to ask Sarah to, if you can unmute yourself and lead us in a word of prayer. And then after that, Jimmy is going to put us in our breakout rooms. Love you guys. I hope this message was helpful. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you all on Sunday. God bless you all.